Welcome to this week's Monday meeting. Today is October 19th, 2020. Monday meetings are a chance for motion designers all over the world to connect and ask questions, share inspiration, or hear presentations and interact with industry-leading artists on an equal playing field. Everybody's here, so we'll just say that for posts because everybody's here. Uh, today, I think it was in one of the channels. I can't remember where, but somebody submitted that they want to talk about like resumes and CVs and reels and really like what gets people booked or what gets people jobs. Um, trying to see if I can figure out where it was with the exact. I think it came up Zubair. with Lucas and then Zubair. Like yeah, yeah, was the one who suggested it. Yeah, so yeah, I think it was from Lucas's conversation about going freelance. Um, but I thought somebody last week was also asking, like, does anyone actually have a resume anymore? Maybe Lucas asked that in the channel. I forget where it came from, but um, are they useful for freelance gigs or just like full-time positions? Zubair also wrote like what to include in them and how to format them correctly. Um, I don't know if we'll get into like formatting and stuff, but maybe some just like quick tips of what to do. But yeah. So... I wish, I think Zubair said he has to take his niece to a doctor's appointment, so he might jump on a little bit late, but um, I guess for me, I've been thinking about this a little bit because Mark and I have been looking at a bunch of freelancers recently to help out with projects and kind of what entices me when I'm looking for somebody. Um, yeah, I guess let's start there since Zubair is not here. Um, I don't want this to sound like a gripe session either, but it's just like some notes that I had after posting, looking for reels and work and stuff, like things that I noticed that are turnoffs initially and like why I might skip over someone immediately. Follow the rules of the post. <laughs> like if somebody asks you to do something like post your real an email address and rates just do that like ju just do it plain and simple if you miss one i'm probably gonna skip over you or like i might just put you in the back of my head faster than somebody else um, i noticed this a lot the other day when i posted on a facebook group looking for reels all i wanted was just like the the URL for a reel or your website, an email address that I can reach you and just do it. Because what I'm doing is copy and pasting all that information into an Excel doc. And I'm gonna use that Excel doc to kind of like go through and cross-reference and see like what works best for me. And if you're not doing that, then I don't wanna take the time to search out that information too. Um, so I think that's a really big thing, just if, especially for gigs type, that type of work. Follow directions for sure. Um, Mark, do you have any insight onto that since you've been, I don't know if you've been posting or not for, for people. Yeah. I mean, I think some of it, uh, really boils down to just starting to look at more and more reels and trying to figure out, uh, portfolios and stuff and figure out what, um, what artists are there, what artists are available, what artists are able to execute, uh, direction and whatnot. And the one thing that I think has jumped out at me is that I've seen quite a few 
you know, good looking reels and good looking, you know, portfolios and stuff. Um, and I think really what has been jumping out to me is that, or what's, what separates, there's almost like two, two bins of, of people I've found of artists. You've got one, uh, one side that has a lot of, um, like Instagram one-off type thing. And then you have, uh, other artists that have more of a, um, well-rounded, uh, real with obviously client projects and stuff like that. And to me at this point, someone like that looks a little bit more attractive in my eyes, because even though there's some beautiful work in some of the reels I've seen, I didn't really see how some of that work could connect to a client job. Like, you know, there's obviously so many things that you can do in like your daily render sphere that, um, you know, look great, get the likes and stuff. But I mean, how many, how many clients are coming and asking for like, you know, what, what is it like the people little person with like big scene or, you know, whatever it is. Um, so seeing work that obviously was done as part of a team or direct a client or whatever, uh, to me made it, um, made those artists jump out a little bit more that they could take direction, they could run with it, be creative, use their creative license to, you know, come up with some cool ideas or whatnot. You know, you, you see that through some of the portfolio case studies and stuff like that. But, you know, I am hesitant to, you know, go after someone that just has a bunch of like random stuff throughout the reel that you could tell are just like one-offs. Like I followed a tutorial a little bit, made it my own and, that's great. I think that's a phenomenal for learning, but I do take a little bit of pause there when looking to actually like hire someone on a day rate or a project rate or for a long-term booking, because I want to make sure that there's so much going on with this project. If I give direction, they can take that and, and go with it. And it's not a lot of handholding and maybe the people that have a lot of one-off stuff would be fine with that, but just um, I guess seeing the stuff that has, uh, seeing the reels and portfolio that have more client work shows me that they've been in that pipeline before. Yeah. I think it, like, it's a little bit dependent on what they're hiring for too. And the role. Like, yes. If you're in a more, if you're looking for a more junior person to take on stuff, I think some of that stuff is okay. Having like Instagram one-offs and, video co-pilot tutorials, school of motion tutorials for courses and things like that. Um, that's a little bit more fine, but when you're looking for someone solid at like a mid level or like a senior level and that's all you're getting in their reel, then that, yeah, that can be concerning. It's like, are you, are you mid level because you think you are with your understanding of software or are you actually a mid-level because you've done that experience and you've been through production workflows enough times that mm -hmm. you understand that. So, um, yeah. And like, for instance, on one of the projects I'm working on right now, I'm working with an artist where I came up with some direction and gave him a document and I'm like, Hey, you know, take this and start running with it. Like push it. These are, you know, kind of our, our, you know, storyboards or, or, um, uh, reference type images that we've shared with the client, take those and run with it. And the artist is able to like 
wrap their head around what the ask is and then start hammering out some technical things. And it, it's not checking in every 30 minutes, like, Hey, is this, you know, like I I'm, I'm trusting them to take it on and, and run with it because part of the reason why I hired them too, is because they are good, you know, and they do have uh, good style and whatnot. And I want to make sure that like he, or they, I should say are, um, able to take it and run, run with it and not have to hold their hand through the whole process. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, totally. And like, I have a, I have a question for Mark yeah. just to, to, because you said something about the, the, um, the show wheel being diverse, but then you went into this tutorial thing. So of course, I think we all agree that the, the, when we see a, a reel where it's all tutorials, then yeah, of course we get that it's a junior, but then if, if, if it's somebody's real, that's really diverse, but just because like clients have been asking really different stuff, uh, right. is that something that you consider or does the, or you're looking for people really specifically that do only this style or that style? I yeah, just wanted well, to like to elaborate on that. If you could. Yeah. And let me clarify that too. And I think diverse styles is great. I, I appreciate any artist that can, you know, jump into one style, jump into a next, you know, whatever, and, and execute those, those visions. The, the thing that makes me take pause when I do see, like, um, I'll just call them one-offs, is that, like, there really isn't much, dare I say, like, application for that type of stuff in, like, a client job, per se. You know, like, let's just take an example of, like... Um, like a, a, a particle sim that mixes around and swirls and like very cool. But I think there's a very small amount of clients that are going to ask for that or, you know what I mean? Or, and maybe that's part of uh, the responsibility as like a, a director, creative director, art director is to like see a skill that maybe this freelancer or someone has that you're uh, even if it's full time, uh, see that skill and then try to bring that into your creative that you're presenting to the client. But when I just see a lot of like one-off things and I'm guilty, I, I, I used to do this. I still have some stuff in like a reel from two years ago that just kind of one-off stuff. And I was going through a learning process and I was experimenting. Um, I look back at it. Should it have made a reel? Probably not, you know? Um, and I'm all for like, you know, people experimenting and stuff, but at the same time, like if I'm looking for someone to execute, to be part of a team, to take the vision and execute it, someone who, someone's real that has a little bit more client facing stuff. Um, and it looks like they were part of a team working on this project is, uh, more, um, uh, sticks out more for me than a bunch of like, particle sim, the fluid sim, a text reveal, a blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just like, it's almost like uh, I've heard the term real bingo or like MoGraph real bingo, like, oh, cool. Like, you know, the Ariev Griebel look check or, you know, um, whatever it is. Um, so I think, I don't know, having, having more client work in your real is, is good is, if you can do that, I understand people are at all different levels in their careers. So it's hard to do that, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's better than just one-off stuff that doesn't really have any sort of like consistency or, or like a, a consistent look that you might be trying to carve out for yourself or 
I don't, I don't know. I guess I'm just kind of talking in circles now, but um, I hope that clarifies it a little bit. Yeah, like I, I think diversity in a reel is a really good thing because it shows you can hop around to multiple things. Um, but like you were saying, Mark, just the the entire reel made out of very identifiable tutorials and things like that. Even like even if you're trying to increase your skill set, like that's great. But like, I got one reel. Sorry if they're listening, <laughs> but every shot was something I could pick out of a tutorial, whether it was Grayscale Gorilla, Video Copilot. Um, they had some Houdini stuff in there, but it was clearly just like an iteration of Steve Nipping's Houdini stuff that like everyone who's learning Houdini does. And it's like, okay, that's great. And like they put a little bit of variation on it, but there was nothing in the reel that was from an actual project with a client or anything. And so that that's just concerning to me. It's like, yeah, I see that you're executing and like you're making little changes here and there, but do you like do you really understand what you went through, or did you just go through the tutorial and make this stuff and then throw a reel together? You know, like that, that's kind of where I'm at. And I, I think there might be a little bit of subconscious bias happening here because I feel like I've heard people in the past talk about hiring someone who's got, you know, 50,000 followers on Instagram and like their accounts just, you know, blowing up and gets all these likes and all this traffic, but then they get put into a production pipeline and they're just kind of like, uh, they don't know like what to do per se, because they're so used to just being on their own and just creating what they want to create. And so it just makes me take pause sometimes when I see stuff like that. People can always be groomed, right? People can always be brought up to speed and put into a pipeline. It's just whether or not maybe the project has a tight timeline that you need to everyone to be very focused and just delivering for you. Or if it's like, hey, we've got, you know, six months, the first month's going to be all R&D. I haven't run into a project like that yet, but I'm sure they exist. You know, so I think there's different there's different uh, projects that would fit, you know, any skill set per se. But if there's tight timelines and deadlines, and you just need someone to come in to execute, I'm going to go with more with someone that has the client work. I, I would just also to just add that every single client and customer is going to be different and looking for something completely separate and different. So literally, you could spend your entire life, your entire career, trying to tailor your reel for one specific client and never get attention from them. I think at some point you just got to shut up, put it out there and start sending emails and getting work. Yeah. It's never going to be done. I mean, it worked for me. I spent, uh, from February until late July on mine and finally got it out there and started getting work. It wasn't perfect. It's not perfect. I'll eventually make it perfect before I die. That's well, and that's the constant uh, conundrum that I think we're all in is when do you ship it? When is it done? You know, and like I, for one, am perfectly guilty of this seeing uh, I've been working on my reel for the last eight months. <laughs> I've, I, I, I've, you know, yeah, for me, I shipped it when we needed to pay rent. Yeah. There, and actually, there's a great um, who it, it's a Seth Godin book. I think it, it might be. 
might be linchpin or it might one of his books, but his whole thing is just like, you got to ship it. It's just got to be done at some point because as a creative, you will keep reworking that thing until you deem it it's done. But that will never really come because every morning you wake up with a new idea of how you can switch it or make it better. So you're just constantly in this, uh, I don't know, uh, what is it? Hamster wheel, right? You're just constantly just going with, without getting anywhere. Um, yeah, you yeah, gotta just, show, show it to your friends, you know? You gotta show, show it to a few trusted advisors, right? Yeah, and also what you said about like, um, you know, like the real, so what you see in the real, but then how the people behave like working. I think those are two like distinctive things. Like on one side, you have the technical knowledge of the tool. It's like, you don't have to think about how you're gonna uh, achieve something. Like, how do I do this? Like. We all ask those questions sometimes, but I mean, most of the time we see things like, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go like this and then like that. It's like, okay, so it's not working. Okay, I'm going to try this. So you have this kind of technical knowledge in the background that just flow through, but then you have like, you have the, the like maturity, which is I call emotional maturity of like knowing how to work with people, like exchanging with people. If you get feedback, not taking it personally, it's like it's feedback. It's not against you. It's just the work. And I was like, but but it, but this come, this comes with experience. And my experience with reels of people is that the reel doesn't always tell you that part, like the emotional part. Like I've seen reels where the work is amazing, but then when you start working with that person, it's it's. I mean, he's a lone wolf. Like he can only work alone. I mean, his work is amazing. But he's totally unable to cooperate normally with with people, and and for, for some projects that's maybe fine, but for some others doesn't work at all. But that doesn't the, the real doesn't tell you that. And sometimes my experience is that maybe the real of somebody else is less good, so it's less impressive, less whiz and bangs. But then when you get to discuss with the person, you find out that okay, this person, I mean, he's really open. It's easy, it's easy to work with him and maybe he will struggle a little bit and have to learn in the process. But if you analyze the whole project, it's better to work that with that person than with the like superstar that is going to be a nightmare each time you get like to have to discuss like, hey, make it blue. It's like you have the white blue because it's, you know, it's like, yeah. I wish That's everyone listening I'm... could see everyone's heads just nodding to what you're saying. Like, yes, yeah, you're, yes. Uh, great point. Thank you for making that. Because I think, you know, if anyone was feeling discouraged from my rant there, like you just really brought it full circle because I think you hit a perfect point on, you know, fitting within a team, taking feedback, working together and not just being like my highway or my way or the highway. <laughs> yeah. I think that's kind of a good way to summarize why, I feel it's really important to have actual work in a reel, or even if you don't have a reel, um, like I think Jordan Bergeron doesn't have a reel at the moment. He just has a bunch of stuff on his Behance. He can just go and like see case studies of it. But seeing actual projects and seeing that somebody gets booked on multiple projects kind of is like an insurance policy a little bit where it's like, okay, this person's worked on multiple projects. So they probably are decent to work with where if you have these one-offs that we've been talking about, like, I don't, I don't know, like they haven't worked on multiple projects. So maybe they're kind of terrible to work with. 
I, I think there's also like two camps of like people getting work too is like there's word of mouth right like where i've heard of you from somebody else so i'm going to go look at your work and they've worked on you on a project or something so i'm going to go look at that project and then see your reel or there's that approach where there's a lot of times where it's better to go look at a portfolio and see the work because then you're actually looking at maybe their responsibilities within that project versus like you know what i've seen is a lot of shots where it's like a shot from transformers and like i was compositor on the shot and it's like what'd you do and it's like i replaced the sprite label on that can in the background and so it's like it's false advertising so you you have to learn how to look at things so people are coming to you for work and they're going to look at either they have a specific job like they're doing a spot and they were looking for specific things to look for on your reel or your portfolio or they've heard word of mouth of you and they're coming to you for something specific so there's usually like multiple avenues and it's trying to make sure that you're kind of covered in both, I think. Yeah. I think that word of mouth thing is a good like segue to move the conversation forward where most of the time when I'm looking for people to work with, I, I don't really even post publicly that much. I will ask someone, Hey, do you know anyone that's looking right now? And if they have like three or four people, I'll reach out to those three or four people and just talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. Again, it kind of goes with that insurance policy thing. Like, okay, you've worked with them or at least you've heard through the grapevine that they're good to work with and they're available. So I'll give them a shot. If I could uh, at this point to go off that, uh, that point you just made, uh, Liam, I don't know if uh, Tokyo or Chris wants to talk about, he had an experience I believe recently about just posting randomly in a Slack on a job and how that kind of panned out. Yeah, that was a bummer. <laughs> so basically, I mean, I am like fully booked right now to the end of the year. And so any job I'm getting hit up with, I'm just like, I'm busy, but I can recommend people or whatever. Um, so I guess a friend of a friend or like my friend's old supervisor who like runs his own studio basically uh, hit me up asking like if I was free and I told them no. And I was like, but I can, you know, ask some people for you. And so I posted in like, um, I have like my, my own little Slack group. That's like, you know, just like friends of mine in New York, mostly a handful of other people. Um, and, uh, and I asked like, Hey, anyone free for this job? And this one dude who I went to school with, uh, who I kind of knew, um, but like, wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to give him like a shiny recommendation because I hadn't worked with him in a long time. And, you know, his portfolio looked good to me, but that was like pretty much all I could really vouch for. Um, which is, you know, like not, that's not like a recommendation I would say. So what I said to the guy was like, here's like, you know, two people who like, I, I think I literally said like, um, Hey, I like posted about it. I, I got two bites, like here's like the, their contact info. And I like gave him the two people and then didn't hear. Um, I mean, it sounded like it, everything was good and, and you know, this dude got booked. And then like two days later, I just got an email from the guy being like, Hey, uh, you know, just wanted to let you know, like I onboarded, you know, the guy that you sent me and uh, he, 
like promised me he would get something delivered by, you know, the morning and he like bailed on it. And then like, you know, told me he couldn't do the project without explanation. And it kind of screwed us up to scrambling and stuff. And I was like, Oh damn, like that sucks. Like, you know, that's like annoying for me. Cause I'm, you know, my recommendation obviously was bad. Um, and it's, it just makes me look bad. Um, and annoying for him, obviously. Uh, and yeah, it was just like a not good situation. Um, I mean, I don't think I technically did anything wrong because I, you know, just like gave him some names. Um, but it was definitely like a lesson where next time I will for sure, you know, specify like, I'm not vouching for this person, like disclaimer, but you know, here's their info. You have to vet them yourself. Um, which was, you know, I figured sort of implied, but normally what I would do is like give a shiny recommendation to someone. If it is actually someone I would recommend who I trust, who I know will do a good job. And then, you know, if it's someone like, you know, who I, I haven't actually met or like someone just straight off the MDA slack or whatever, who, you know, I've never heard of before or whatever, you know, I'll give a disclaimer that's like, I don't know this person. So like, if they're bad, you know, it's not my fault, but here's someone who said that they're available. Um, but when it's someone like, I kind of know who, you know, I'm like, you know, have met before and stuff. Like I just, I didn't say anything in that case where I didn't have like anything nice to say about him, but I didn't have, you know, like a disclaimer I wanted to throw up. And, you know, in the future now I, I know like, just give the disclaimer unless you're like sure they're going to do a good job and you're sure you want to put your reputation on the line for them. Thanks for sharing that. And I, Ray, do you have a mic? I do. Hey. Oh, awesome. Thanks for uh, jumping on. Do you want to share? You made a great point in the, uh, in the chat. I just want the listeners to be able to. Yeah, I was I was saying that I really think word of mouth is great and I've gotten a lot of jobs that way, but I think it's also important to be responsible with uh, our industry circles. I know a lot of us like really know a few people and have like an idea of what certain talents people have, but it's also important to keep expanding that pool um, to keep the, the industry high and also like find new talent and encourage diversity. Um, and the way that I do that is to kind of do my own research, find people in my community that maybe I don't have contact with and keep a list of them for opportunities that are maybe less stressful since I don't know them well. Yeah, I think that's that's a great point. And for everyone out there, even if you are like a solo freelancer too, or just, you know, an artist or just a fan of someone, I have a like a whole running Google sheet of like artists that I found. I'm like, oh, sweet. You know, like either their website or their Instagram handle, their name. And then if I contact them, like, do they, what do they specialize in? Do they have a day rate? Do they work on project rate? And just starting to make my own kind of Rolodex of people that I can reach out to. And yeah, I mean, I feel like that's gotten me out of some pinches too of like, if uh, everyone that I've, I'm reaching out to is booked, a lot of people seem busy this time of year. Like, I, I have that Rolodex to keep going back to. And even if I haven't worked with them, like that's that good opportunity to like break the ice and, and say like, bring them in onto a project. Um, I, yeah. I try to do that. 
I try to do that too, where like I've like started a little bit like making a like Google sheet and I need to like figure out how to organize it better. And I'm sure a lot of other people do this. So I'm kind of curious how people go about organizing this stuff. But like, you know, there's like different types of people that I'll like want to sort different ways where it's like, you know, I'll have like people who are like strictly like animators or people who are like effects people or effects TD type people or people who like, you know, could really do like a 3D generalist thing and kind of like lead a project or whatever. And like, I haven't figured out like the best way to organize it, but um, definitely to go off what uh, Ray was just saying, I, I, I like definitely also find it really rewarding to be like expanding your, you know, your Rolodex and like, especially whenever you get the chance to recommend someone who like, you know, maybe hasn't ever really had like a legit like job before, but you think that they can pull it off and it's like the right sort of level for them. Like helping someone kind of break in is like one of the most sort of like rewarding, uh, you know, recommendations you can make. So it's definitely like really awesome anytime you can do that and anytime you can kind of, yeah, like, you know, bring in more diversity and like, you know, bring in people with different kinds of experiences or people from different areas with, uh, you know, different kinds of jobs. Like I, I, I remember like, uh, recently getting to recommend my friend who like is like a 2d animator and has like only worked for like you know doing some tv stuff and um it was like cool to bring them on to a job that was like you know more of like a motion graphics commercial job for like a studio in new york and like you know not something like but they were like perfect for that kind of job and it worked out really well for everyone. So yeah, that's what is, is awesome. It's fun. It's fun that this topic comes back because we were discussing this last week about like uh, access to opportunity and maybe give a shout out and maybe like researching for talent and stuff. And like, like just Christopher said, like, or, or um, Rat, uh, Ray uh, said, it's like sometimes it's just, you know, giving a shout out about someone maybe you don't fully know but like you know he can reveal his full potential and again this is about maturity and i had the experience with uh, like a project i did um, um two years ago which i worked with an illustrator who is he's french uh, he was in la at that time um and um he really got involved in this animation process and he said he said like look I'm, i don't do like uh, frame by frame animation but I have this technique which uh, I illustrate with, with I use poser and then I paint on it. That's like, but I can't then articulate stuff. And I, I, I really want to try, I really try want to try to animate stuff. And so uh, he ended up like partaking into the animation process and giving a really special look in the end to the animation because it wasn't cell animation, it wasn't motion design, it was his own like technique frame by frame. And, uh, and, and that was unique. So um, I think it's like part, part of this thing is taking sometimes risks. Um, and as always risks, sometimes you lose and sometimes you win big because then you discover something or somebody comes with ideas that you haven't thought before. Um, so yeah, it's always keeping, you know, like about this thing of reviews and, 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 and reels and stuff is, I always try to keep my head as open as possible. Like don't fall in the like, okay, I don't like this, bye. You know, 
of course, like again, if it's all tutorials, we all agree on this. But then if it's like a little bit of this, maybe one tutorial, maybe some stuff from Instagram, then some client work, then you see that the guy is kind of like, or the person is kind of like fighting to to find a way to to make more work or to have his own style and stuff. Then like, yeah, why not give it a give it a go if you feel that there's potential there? Yeah, I think too, like I, for the example that I was speaking to earlier, like, you know, I've got a pretty tight deadline. So I needed to find someone that could just come on and start executing stuff. If I have the timeline and I have the right project to bring someone on that may be more junior, junior, or even starting out or whatnot, I definitely want to give them the opportunity because I think by taking risk on yourself for hiring someone new, maybe that person's a little bit, you know, feeling like risky to take this job on because it's a little bit higher than they're used to working or like in terms of the, the style or whatever. Um, but in that risk area, right, I feel like that's, that's where you grow the most. You grow the most as an artist. You grow the most as a business owner. You grow the most as a, as a producer or whatever role you are taking on for that project. If you're playing it safe, it's just kind of, right? It's just kind of rinse and repeat. And there's not a whole lot of thought being given to stuff. And, but once you take on that risk, yes, the rewards are bigger. But I, I feel like in that risk scenario, everyone now kind of has a little bit more skin in the game in a way. Like you, you know, you're going to try to go above and beyond your comfort level, right? And by pushing it that much further, I think you're going to get probably better results within the, the whole project. And I, I, I wish that would be, you know, a, a tried and true thing, but obviously it's not. You might hire someone and they just can't execute the work. Like I spoke to a studio owner recently who said they had a, a great artist. They tried so hard and, and they were there for a couple months, tried super hard. And I think it was a couple months. I don't know, but um, they just had to let them go just because they weren't able to do the work that was needed, even though they were always on time delivering what they could, trying as hard as they could, you know, no fault to, of their own, but it just, it it wasn't the right fit at the right time. So that stuff happens too. And you, you know, that's part of the risk, right? So um, I think you can really have those unlocking moments in that kind of risk area. And sometimes you might have to be like, shit, I got to cut my losses and, and move on and keep this person in mind for, you know, job X, Y, Z next time. Um, but yeah, I think it's kind of our duty as people in this industry in a way to bring everyone on this ride together, right? Like, what is it? The tide, high tide lifts all boats or rising tide lifts all boats. So it's all, yeah, there you go, nice. The, um, it, 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 it's only gonna be to our benefit to bring everyone up with us. And, and if that's you mentoring per someone on a job or you know, really holding their hands through a job to make them a better artist, like if you have the time and resources to do that, I would say, do it right because like we've all had that mentor or that you know um older sibling quote unquote that like kind of took you under their wing and and kind of showed you the ropes even if it was just for one project you know um i don't know i i just feel like 
it's this community shares so much that it, it is kind of our duty to like bring everyone along on the ride. Um, I would also say like, I would just add like, as I've started working with different studios, like each pipeline is completely different. And I ask a ton of questions just so I get a firm foundation because there, there's no onboarding. <laughs> like I was, I was on the MoGraph uh, call today and uh, Camacho was talking about when he went to work for NPC and they literally just like sat him down at his desk and said, okay, you got 18 shots, go. <laughs> like that's basically how it's been for me. So I ask all the questions and I, if I don't know something, I'll ask because I'd rather, I'd rather not know and ask than not know and not ask. Yeah, Jeff, I think you nailed it. Like if you aren't sure about it, ask questions. Like it's better that you ask questions and get them all out, right? Like right off the bat than spend two days of work, just kind of head down with no direction and then come up for air and everyone's like, uh, no, right? Um, communication is what it comes down to as well. I was going to say, maybe steering back to some of the things that Zubair had listed off. Um, does anyone have a reel or resume that they keep updated? Just looking around. No, like no one, sort of. I, I use LinkedIn as my resume. Yeah. I mean, but if you look at it, like it goes way back and, you know, it's not all just MoGraph for this industry, right? Right. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. Yeah. That's basically what I do too. When people have asked for a resume, I'm like, can't you just look at my LinkedIn? Cause I, that's so easy to update and just like add an entry or whatever. Um, so Chelsea, you keep your real and resume updated. And then Mashby was saying a little bit, Sarah's saying real and resume, uh, it's required in academia. Yeah, that's true. Um, pro tip on LinkedIn here. I don't know if you guys know this, but you know, you can download your profile as a PDF, right? So it's not the most beautiful looking thing, but if you had to submit a resume and you didn't have one and you had LinkedIn somewhat updated, it could kind of default as, as something if you're in a pinch. And I'll piggyback off of that. Indeed will actually import your LinkedIn data and then it'll format it and make it look like a piece, like a resume, like it's got a header and everything. That's great. That's what I use. Yeah, I don't know. It's like for the motion part, it's like I'm, I have the feeling that resumes are kind of, can be, somebody was talking earlier on about like misleading things in the reels because they were saying like, hey, I did a shot in Transformers and in fact, it was the little can in the background. Well, I think resumes can be kind of the same. Like uh, sometimes you read on paper and it sounds amazing. And in fact, it's just as fake as the little shot with the can. So I think again, and, and especially I think in our field where like a lot of us are self-taught in a lot of way, in a lot of stuff. Like there's, I mean, at least when I started in animation, there was no proper school for all this. So uh, we, I had to learn on the go. And, and I know that that's where also when you learn the most, it's just because you have to solve a problem and then you learn it and then you 
chug through it and then you go further with the tool. So, um, but I'm really, I'm really curious, like how many of you have been accepted by a resume? Because I don't know, I've seen people with zero resume, which are were amazing again. And then like studio people with, or agency people with like a resume long as their arm, like with a lot of things and spots and whatever. And when you see the work, when you see what they have done, I'm like, dude, this is just really bad. It's like, this is quality really low. Like, come on, this made a million views. I don't care the views, just the work is just horrible. So, um, so it's also this kind of like balance between what we value in the resume. You know, it's like, uh, what's it, what is important? It's like, because you work with like 10 agencies or maybe you work with two, but then the work is, is outstanding. It's like, what are we talking here? I would well, imagine that a resume is probably like only a, a really important thing to look at for like, if someone's looking to like hire you for like a big full-time position or something and they want to like review like your history and like, you know, see like, oh, how long did you like stick at your last job? Or like, how long are you freelancing for certain companies? Because maybe it's like a red flag if, you know, they've been sort of, shorter term things and they want to like invest in you long term. But um, yeah, I mean, for freelance things, I'd never have to do it. It's not hard to keep it updated. Like I, I'll like throw more stuff on there, like maybe once a year just to like, you know, keep it going. But yeah, my resume is pretty, pretty lame. And, 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 and even my real, like, you know, I, it's fun to update once in a while, like when you have time, but you know, it's not really necessary unless you're like trying to get new gigs or specific types of gigs or whatever. Like if you're, if you're happy with what you're doing, then, uh, you know, it's not really going to matter anyway. Well, it's like a interesting concept, right? Because like resumes, uh, back in the day did really show that like, if you were jumping around staff positions, like, and you weren't there a long time, then that was like, a, like you're saying, like, that's a red flag. Whereas like, I think it definitely isn't something that our industry is using a lot, but definitely in, staff positions if you are going to get that staff position i think it, it's more of like people wanting to know whether you like your background education or you know like other positions that you had titles at or something but i think that's such a, a niche part of our market versus like something that is act an active part i guess yeah i think two resumes in the wrong hands are really dangerous for for hiring as well in sense of I got hired for a position like two years back where I thought it was going to be a great fit based on like what they were saying about my resume and like they kind of skimmed through my reel and they're like, yeah, this is going to be great. And then after like a month of starting the job, I was like, whoever really looked at my resume and my reel didn't know what I do and like what, what I was expecting to do. And, um, for our industry, it happens a lot with corporations where they have the HR department, they just send out a mass, big, giant thing, like, need to have five years experience in this and that and this and that. And then whatever resume marks those qualifications or hits those qualifications, they'll go after that person. But then the art director will look at the reel or whatever, and it's like, ah, oh, this isn't really what we're looking for. Um, yeah, I just wanted to comment on that. I know it's totally a tangent, but it, it's kind of crazy how there's, at least with an hour world, that 
art directors and creative directors aren't asked more about who they're bringing on or who the company's bringing on, at least in a corporate structure. I'd say this too, like in terms of the, the resume, you know, obviously in, in kind of my world, I'll speak from my experience, I look at reels and portfolios and stuff. But if I was going to be looking for more of a long-term hire too, I would, I would be interested to see any sort of resume too, because in a way that kind of shows you the soft skills that don't come across in a reel, you know, like, okay, this person has they worked freelance for four years by themselves and then they went staff at this studio and now they're back freelance just to get a bit of history of that person. You know, um, if it's for kind of a one-off job and they need to execute something cool, like if they can do the work great, but if it's going to be like, say a longer term contract or even potentially like a full-time hire, I think having the resume just helps you kind of I guess we've all been saying it, but get a little bit better picture, bigger picture of, of the person. So um, I don't have an updated resume, but uh, I would love, uh, Chelsea had mentioned in the chat that she keeps her real and resume updated because she keeps getting asked for it. So I don't know if Chelsea has a mic or if, would, if you would like to jump in, but um, if you do, we'd love to hear a little bit more on that. Um, yeah, I, so I've been emailing around and I'm um, just trying to basically find, um, a client. And I guess every time I talk to anybody at like a, like a network, they always seem to say, can you send along your resume to, um, like recently NBC sports or like CBS, um, news. So like the bigger networks, they seem to want a resume to go along with it. Do you think that's just kind of like the old school HR department way of like, we just need to check the box of like having this on file, yada, yada? It's, it sounds kind of like that. Um, it seems like the, the bigger places um, that they're going not only through the recruiters, but then also possibly through HR. Yeah. Here, here, in, here, here in Europe, it's, it's kind of similar in the way that like for, for the motion design or animation industry in particular, um, the only ones that like ask like for resumes, it's not, you don't get asked that as a freelancer. Generally you get asked when like a company gets a really huge contract for a client and they have kind of like, uh, I don't know how to say this, but like lay down the names of all the team. Like the, the, like the client wants to know Who's working on this? Who is everyone? What have they done? It's, it's, it's kind of like a way to, for them to feel secure that the investment uh, is going in the, wrong, in the right hands, sorry, uh, because the team is professionals. And, but in a way, I mean, that's my feeling. It's kind of artificial because again, you can, I mean, age, there are some agencies building teams which are not good and they get the jobs because they know how to sell this uh, and they, they end up like hiring juniors and whatever and deliver on their quality. So again, I, I mean, and especially I think today, because if you look at like 20 years ago, you were looking for stability. You were looking for somebody that had, was, was able to keep a job for like five or 10 years. That was something, somebody reliable, blah, blah, blah. 
and and now it's like everything i mean everybody's jumping jobs all the time even people which has a like a like a permanent position there are like they stay two two or three years in this company and then they get bored or tired or they want something else or they just i don't know they go they go to another company like everybody's resume now is like if you're freelance okay you're freelance you're 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 working for everyone but a lot of my friends who are like full-time employee they already they've already went through like i don't know five seven positions and that's normal and that shows that you're like uh uh, you know, you can adapt yourself and then you can do multiple things and it depends how you look at it. You know, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a, always a matter of point of view. Yeah. Um, Mark, I know you got to hop off soon and I got to get on another call too. So I think, yeah. there, <laughs> I was just going to say, I think there's a lot that could be said for job searching and everything. Um, so we can definitely continue it for another call. George, I know, or Mark, did you want to chime in? Yeah, I was just going to say, like, you know, I think this is a really interesting topic. And I've actually talked to a couple friends of mine that aren't in the animation or motion world, but um, have been, they're graphic designers. And they've been searching for jobs for a long time. They've been trying the freelance thing. They've got a few clients, but nothing really stacking up. And they're finding it very challenging right now to find a job because either they have too much experience not enough experience. They need seven years at this, you know, blah, 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 brand agency, whatever, but maybe they were in-house at a brand. And it's just like, from what I gather, it's very, very frustrating for them because they've had all this experience. They're good designers, but because HR worked with whatever hiring manager to create job description, they are either overqualified or not qualified enough. And even though they sit right in the middle and they would be able to execute everything at this job, they're not really being given an opportunity. So I, I wonder how, I wonder if we could kind of continue this conversation maybe next week or, you know, in the future about, you know, the hiring process and that fine line of being overqualified or underqualified. Cause I think that also relates to what we were talking about today of like, you know, are you underqualified because you have just one-offs on your reel? Are you overqualified because you worked on Transformers, even though we know you only did the Sprite can, you know, like whatever it is. Um, but I think it's interesting to, to maybe talk about that a little bit more for anyone who's listening, who isn't in the freelance world or who doesn't have a job is trying to find a full-time position right now, because I know it's a frustrating thing that my friends are going through, I've gone through in the past and stuff like that too. So um, I would encourage anyone who is experiencing that or has experienced that to join us maybe next week and we can hop on and talk more about this because um, I don't think it's actually being talked about enough really in terms of how hard it might be to be, to get us like a full-time staff job, especially now, right? Like, um, but I, Again, I, I, I just pose that as a general question. I'd love to hear more feedback from the community at large and, and, and open this discussion up to more people. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Liam, I'll, I'll let you wrap up because I know you've got a big week next week, next Monday. So, um, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll be probably having this without you. That's fine. I, I was just going to I know George wants to do his meme thing and then I got to get on my call with our kids teacher in the next few minutes here. So 
George, I'm going to hand it off to you. What what Mark just did there was beautiful. He was just wrapping up the conversation to end exactly on the hour. He was just (laughs) handing it over to you to do the CTA. (laughs) And then, uh uh-oh, here comes meme time. Week four. Let me get the screen shared. Let me shut down. What you all have been waiting for. You've made it this far just for this. Okay. Sharing away. I've shut all the uh, offending tabs down. Just a quick Do the song, recap. George. Do the song. Uh, meme of the week. Meme of the week. Meme of the week. Meme of the week. So week one, we had the world right now. Designers, anyone on logo? Got 42%. Week two, the client, after giving them the prices, they turned into a ghost. 46.5%. Uh, the highest performing meme was last week. Uh, we need to do something that's so innovative that no brand has done anything like it ever before. And then the motion designers do it and they present it. That seems risky. Can you give examples of other brands that have done this? Which leads us to week four, which possibly is going to be in the high 70s. Okay. Which part do I... I will reveal the image first. Okay. So here we have a bowl of cereal, but it's the wrong way around. So, you know, normally you have the bowl, the spoon, then the cereal, then the milk. But why on earth would it be this rat this way around? And then the mean bit is, uh, I'll give the credit to the designer. That. Uh, me, selects layer from bottom to top before copying and pasting in After Effects. I think we've all been there. You copy and paste and it's all the wrong way round, you know, and you always do it the wrong way around the first time round, then you remember, so you do control Z and then control V. So this is very relatable because it's in the program that we all use After Effects. I think everybody should understand the meme. If you look to the right of your keyboard, you should have a keypad there going from one to five. Five is it's hilarious, the funniest thing you've ever seen in your life. It's so funny that you could possibly die of a heart attack or suffocating for not breathing enough. One is, uh, well, most of the other memes I've posted so far. Here we are, week four. A up-down bowl of cereal. Please cast your votes now, and I will tabulate them. George, we went through so many other memes before this. I thought we settled on this one. I think you settled on this one. Penny said it was a five out of five. I'm just looking at the scores now. Oh, this is interesting. Well, it's going to be close. I won't tabulate it now because it's, you know, you have to have something to come back for next week. But you can kind of see that these, it's the high 60s. It could be a tiebreaker. Oh, I'll do it now. What the hell? Okay. Well, while George is calculating, I'm just going to do the wrap up and then we'll get the total at the end. Uh, as always. And that concludes this week with George. (laughs) Um, yeah, social media and everything. I'll be gone next week. So Mark and whoever else will be running things and George, you you ready? I'm not that quick. There's a lot of data to crunch here. There's at least seven submissions. (laughs) Shouldn't drink so much wine before doing your memes. Let's say that uh, Monday meetings is like my party night. This is my Friday, getting to chat to people. You know, I don't have wine every night, too expensive, but it's like, this is my, okay, it looks like we're at, well, maybe I haven't got the numbers right because this is only 61% and last week was 68% and uh, maybe it is right. You know, there's no accounting for taste these days. It's all subjective. 
And on that note, <laughs> excellent. Well, as always, you can find us info at mondaymeeting.org, mondaymeeting.org for show notes and etc. Except I haven't been able to post show notes lately. There's been something weird with the blog. So shows are there, just not the show notes. <laughs>